welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining your hosts, Tierra and Jack, for what is now episode number 27 of our Road to 2021 series. And before we get stuck into the episode, we just wanted to remind you guys that if you do enjoy these episodes, please remember to repost them onto your social media. Also, if you are feeling nice, you can leave a review on the iTunes podcast app. It would really be appreciated. And if you are interested in our coaching services, you can head over to our website by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians on Google. You can also find the link in the show notes below or any of our Instagram bios. And as always, we don't just coach comp prep competitors, but anyone with a health and fitness goal. Cool. All right. So episode 27. Yeah. Awesome. Excited. Let's get uh, stuck into how your week was. Okay, so I guess I'm starting this week. (laughs) Okay, so this past week, well, this past week, I just wrapped up my fifth week of prep. Boy, how fast did that fly, right? Five weeks already in the books. Mm, Crazy fast. Yeah, so, uh, you know, pretty much almost a quarter of the way there until show one, which is pretty cool. So I'm estimating that I'm sitting somewhere around 17 weeks out from IFBB, and we know that we're both sitting out from 23 weeks from the first ICN Queensland show. So things have been going well. And, mm. uh, you know, I guess that's something to announce quickly that, uh, ICN Queensland formally announced the show date. So mm-hmm. it's the 10th of April for the Sunshine Coast show. And then the 24th of April for Brisbane classic. Yep. That's right. So locked in, ready to go 23 and 25 weeks out. And then planning on doing nationals as well and i saw that nationals it will be held in new south wales and but it's still to be announced for the date and also the actual venue Mm. as well but i mess that should be in may yeah i mean the venue was good last time other than the the um backstage was very small yeah that's true but uh, who knows Uh, at least we know the area right if we have to book another airbnb very true yeah but, always uh, optimistic yes that's right that's me <laughs> but you know this past week it's been good so yeah wrapped up five weeks of prep and pretty much body composition wise five weeks ago started off at 68.1 kilograms and this past week i hit a new low of 65.6 kilograms so that's 2.5 kilograms down in five weeks which might not sound like a lot to some people but at the same time we have to remember that I started at 22 weeks out from my prep, right? And I do like to take less of an aggressive approach. And I really am aiming for closer to that 0.5% of my body weight lost per week. And I am aiming to get somewhere down to around around 59 and a half kilograms is where I'm estimating my new stage weight will be, which is about one and a half kilograms or so above my previous stage weight. Because I'm confident that, you know, I worked damn hard during these past few months of improving and, uh, you know, I'm pretty confident that I've put on some muscle mass. So, and I can see that, you know, but pretty much I feel like I'm right where I need to be right now. Like, I feel like because I'm 17 weeks out, obviously I'm not meant to be shredded yet, but because I just went through Mm, a frustrating stage. No, to be honest, I don't even feel frustrated. Maybe I feel like because I just went through prep last year, right? I think I didn't, not frustrating for us, but for some, maybe a first time competitor where mm-hmm. there's that interim stage where in reality, the majority of prep, you're not shredded. Yeah, I so. know. But that's the thing, right? You have to keep working toward that. But that's why I'm so glad that I went through prep last year and obviously documented the whole thing, you know, skin folds, progress photos, how I looked in the gym, right? Just everything about my physique 
at different time points. And what's really cool is that despite sitting at an actual higher body weight right now, because when I was around 17 weeks out last prep, I was actually probably about two kilograms less than I am right now. But from skinfold data and also progress photos, I'm visibly leaner right now, which is really freaking cool. And I'm hella stronger and I just look better, you know, which I think is just so awesome. You know, it's just a testament to, uh, I just, I put in a lot of work, you know, I, I worked really hard to do this, but at the same time, I'm reminding myself that yeah, 17 weeks out, not meant to be shredded yet, but I just feel like I'm exactly where I'm meant to be right now. Looking healthy, not looking too thin. <laughs> Thank you very much. Definitely don't want to look too thin at any point in this phase. Uh, but yeah, so feeling really good. And pretty much I worked it out that if I lose anywhere between 0.3 to 0.4 kilograms on average per week, right? I'm going to be losing between now and the next 17 weeks, anywhere between 5.1 to 6.8 kilograms, which will definitely land me in that ballpark range of being around 59 and a half kilograms by the time the IFBB show comes around, which is really good. And do you think you'll take any diet breaks though? That's the interesting thing, right? Because with diet breaks, just like last prep, I really like to auto-regulate those, you know? I, it's interesting how we're different in that aspect. Yeah, we're different in a lot of aspects, but hey, we both achieved the final result. But uh, no, I feel like it's definitely gonna be different to last time because last prep, I started off for the first two months doing continuous caloric restriction. You know, I was dieting every single day of the week. But now because I've started off straight from the get-go, doing two days at maintenance each day of the week and only really dieting for five days of the week, I feel really freaking good. That's not to say that I won't implement a diet break down the track. Like, come on, 17 weeks till show one, what, like 30 weeks until the final show. I'm sure there's going to be a diet break or two or maybe three in there. But, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I feel like it it hits me and I like to auto-regulate those sort of things. Mm. I guess people like to throw around the term diet break as if that justifies them being suddenly a good coach mm -hmm. or like being very evidence-based, but like you don't have to use diet breaks if you don't need to. They're just another tool in the toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like because I'm doing those two high days every week now, that's almost kind of making up for having a diet break sooner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, things are going really well right now. But Overall, I think losing anywhere around 0.3 to 0.4 kilograms each week should be very achievable. And uh, I'm well on track for that. So things are just ticking along, you know, and still just feeling awesome, right? Like training performance is still at an all time high. I'm still feeling really strong in the gym. Like this past week, I, I achieved that goal. I got three by 10 with 160 kilograms from my hip thrust, which was awesome. And T-bar rows are still going up. My shoulder press is still going up. Like everything is just still improving. And I think it really is just part of my mindset, you know, but I'm just taking care of myself, you know, being really smart with my nutrition, having those two high carbohydrate days is really helping with my performance on three of those five training days. But yeah, just feeling good, man. So things are going well right now. And like I made that slight macro drop last week and it worked a treat. So I'm just going to keep macros the same for this next week. So each day I'm always consuming 160 grams of protein and 40 grams of fat. But then for five days of the week from Saturday until Wednesday, I'm consuming 250 grams of carbs. And then on Thursday, Friday, I'm consuming 350 grams of carbs. Just bring me back up closer to my maintenance level. 
And compared to the week before, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but I slightly dropped those high days from 375 down to 350, just because like, I felt like 375, even though it's an extra 100 calories, right? An extra 25 grams of carbs, it was kind of overkill. I don't know, I felt like I had too much energy, man, you know? (laughs) And I know that's a weird thing for someone to complain about, like you have too much energy, you got too many carbs, but I was like, yeah, you know, like I was bouncing off the walls like a little bit too much, so wanted to bring it down a notch. And I felt like 350 grams of carbs this past week was really that sweet spot for me. So yeah, that was awesome. But body composition, you know, in a good place, nutrition's in a good place. I still don't quite feel like I'm dieting yet, which is still really nice. Like I think out of any past dieting phase, food focus is still very low and probably because I'm always keeping myself distracted, right? Between my meals, which is good. And my meals are very satiating and stuff like that. But yeah, just um, right now, I still feel like I'm just in that really, really good spot. And you know, I'm just driven and my mindset's strong right now and just everything's falling into place. I'm just, I'm following the plan and it's it's paying off and I, I just freaking love this, you know? I freaking love it. But uh, ooh, something else that happened this week, Jack. I actually got some money back. Like I was actually given my money back. Someone else had been holding for quite a number of years. <laughs> Elaborate, please. <laughs> okay, guys, so. Jack and I have been living in this house now for well over a year. But previous to this, I was a uni student and I was living in a uni share house. I moved into this uni share house like early 2016, right? So, and I lived there for around four years. And you know, back in early 2016, paid some bond money to some chick called Pixel and uh, you know, off you go. Anyway, moved out of that house and went to get my bond money back a year ago from the RTA and the real estate just put up this huge fight, you know, like in their defense, like maybe we didn't take the best care of the house, you know, like (laughs) that place, people were always coming and going just like any, just like any house, right? Like I swear, I don't, I can't even remember the number of people I lived with, but Mm, I do know. I can't either. There was always someone new. There was was always someone new in the kitchen or the lounge room. (laughs) Jack and I would always walk home from a lecture, you know, and be like, oh, hey. And this Spanish guy would be sitting on the couch be like, oh, hello, I'm Nacho. <laughs> would you like some lunch? And I'm like, oh, hey, um, no, I'll make my own lunch. But anyway, no, I lived with people like called Pixel, Nacho, uh, Sakshi. Sakshi, you know, um, who else? Arsh, Lars, all these different people, right? I lived with a lot of different people, but it's interesting. I was the longest one standing in that house or the longest one living, actually. Everyone else came. Everyone and- else died. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I hope they're still alive. No, but you know, they, they moved on with their life, but I was there for many, many years. But regardless, I was kind of in charge of the house. You know, I took care of the rent, paid all the bills, all that jazz. You had the ensuite. I had the ensuite at this big room, you know, with my own bathroom and this big deck that, so funny, the deck looked out over the pool, but apparently the people who lived there before us, I think they had a wild party and like someone jumped off the deck into the pool. So then they had to put like these massive bars up on the deck. So like, it looked like I would sit out there in the morning, right? And sip my coffee and, uh, you know, watch all the buses go by to the uni. And I felt like I was like in this little prison, really funky. Anyway, I love that place, you know? I love that place so much. I had so many memories from that place. Let's get back to the money. And 
anyway, all right, so I went to uh, get my bond money. This was a year ago, but the real estate agents put up a big fight, you know, and they said we didn't treat the house right. And yeah, you know, one time there was a boat in the pool and, you know, someone stole a parking sign and put it in the stairwell and like there were a few parties and yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's a uni share house. Anyway, we, we did like a bond clean at the end of the thing. We got all the junk out of there at the end. But yeah, the real estate agents were pretty much refusing to give us back our bond money. This whole fight's been going on for a whole year. And then this past week, I actually ended up in court for not the first time in my life because back in high school, I actually studied legal studies and we had to like go to court and, um, you know, watch all these people get uh, sentenced. Yeah, <laughs> get sentenced for these different things. But anyway, I have found myself in court and luckily the judge was actually really nice perhaps the judge she used to be you know some wild party or some uni student anyway the judge oh yeah she she would have had a law degree right (laughs) yeah uh but anyway she was totally on our side which was really nice so yeah she sided with us and pretty much got my bond money back so ended up catching the train home back from the city with 863 bucks which is pretty cool so got my money back which is really nice so that's always a good thing i'm glad uh, the real estate agents didn't take it away from me so yeah it's always nice to um yeah not get ripped off by people who are trying to rip off students so that's my little financial story this week yeah or sounds like you kind of deserved to lose it anyway from what you said (laughs) no no way because like like i said like it that house it was just a mess you know like and we never signed new leases people were always just coming and going and replacing each other on the lease so at the end of the tenancy it had been so many years right the judge was like there's no record of who actually lived in this place like why should we be holding these final people who are on the lease liable Mm. right for something that could have happened five years ago yeah, I won't name any names, but there was a bedroom in that house that was, it almost, I accidentally walked in there once and like, yeah, it's uh, it's forever with me. <laughs> we have a lot of stories from that place, but hell, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. I loved that house. I loved living there while I was at uni. It was perfect. It was, honestly, guys, if you want the best uni experience, be independent and move into a share house. Like, it's a really fun time, you know? I loved that place, but I'm also glad that uh, that place didn't take my bond money. So anyway, that um, that's pretty much my story, but other than that, I'm just really freaking happy in life right now. Things are going well work-wise, things are going well training-wise. Like, I just feel like everything I do in life, I'm just doing everything that makes me really happy, and it, I'm doing exactly what I want, and yeah, things are just going awesome. I went swimming this afternoon. It was so nice. Dude, this past week, the weather was crazy. Okay, so yesterday, it literally looked like it was snowing in Brisbane. And Jack and I nearly got caught in a hailstorm because we walk home from World's Gym Brisbane. And I swear, if we would have done like two extra sets of lateral raises, we would have been caught in a hailstorm. But mm. luckily, we got home two minutes later, it started hailing like crazy. I've never seen hail like that. Yeah, I haven't seen hail for many years. Oh, it was insane. But I'm just glad we didn't get caught in it, 
right? Like the wind as well. I was out on the deck, just like Myron. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is crazy. But there was like this huge wind gust, like blowing little, little ice cubes at me. I was like, but then like, you know, it was over and then the sun came back out. That's the thing, right? Here in Australia with the weather, like it can get wild, but it's almost like all or nothing. We'll go through like crazy dry days and then it will just bucket down for like an hour and then it's sunny again like in north america you know it just takes its sweet time it just drizzles for like weeks on end and it's just cloudy and you're just like can you just get this over with so that's why i love living in queensland we have mm. the best weather yeah it's amazing yeah well, very hot though yeah it is well. it is hot it's quite hot right now in fact yes all right but anyway enough about the weather how was your week my week was great as well. Week two of prep for me. So I'm three weeks behind Tierra. But yeah, those show dates were officially announced, which was good. So we now know for certain that first show will be on the 10th of April. So to get stuck into some numbers, my body weight basically went down almost exactly one kilo. So from around 88 to 87 kilos on average. And even had some high 86s throughout this week mm -hmm. especially after my leg days i just tend to do a big drop and then i usually gain back some of that glycogen the day after and weight comes back up but yeah hopefully this next week um we see some more of those 86s and get into the mid 86s that would be nice and yeah so far so good nutrition will stay the same next week so that'll be six days at 400 carb 60 fat and 250 protein and one day with the same fat and protein but 575 carb and something interesting about that one high day of the week like undoubtedly it is beneficial especially for my performance on the not the day itself but actually the day after which is my leg day where i've synthesized most of that glycogen and or i should say use those carbohydrates to top up my glycogen stores and that leg day has so far been really good like i don't get any symptoms of dieting or any lower energy, which I shouldn't really by this stage of the prep anyway. But interestingly enough, even even now, I guess last time I was prepping at this time, I just wasn't anywhere near as lean as I am now. Mm. And I've noticed that a little bit just with hunger in general and the, the way I've been responding to that high day. So like I am a little bit hungry and I think last time it took me maybe until 10 weeks out to properly get hungry. But interestingly enough, I think the mini cut that I did a, f a couple months ago really prepared me nicely for like the mindset and the appetite side of things. Mm -hmm. Because I can remember dropping my food to what it was now in the mini cut and I did get hungry quite quickly. And fortunately, that's not the case at the moment. And also training wise, I haven't really experienced any, any negative um, experience with training mm -hmm. so far other than the high day itself so on that day I just felt a little bit like hypoglycemic in in my workout and I mean looking at it theoretically I think that might be because the higher influx of carbohydrates especially at breakfast and breakfast was probably my like most high GI carbohydrate source as well it was like some Milo cereal and may potentially that spiked my insulin a bit more, therefore lowering my blood glucose for my mm -hmm. workout. Potentially, that's just theoretical, but it's just interesting to note that that happened. Like I had the worst session probably on my high day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is really interesting. It's, 
oh, I'm hoping that it's just a one-off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But perhaps would you consider then next week, you know, maybe changing your nutritional sources? So maybe at breakfast time, even though obviously it's a high carb day, but having maybe some lower GI carbohydrates in there, you know, or maybe even adding a little bit more fat to your breakfast, something like that, or perhaps having a little bit more fat at lunchtime, even though I know you already have like around 15 grams of fat in each meal anyway. Mm. And I have a lot of fiber as well. Yeah. So I have it with 150 grams of oats mm-hmm. and then 80 grams of Milo cereal. So that's still, I don't, yeah, a lot of people kind of balk at 150 mm-hmm. grams of oats. Yeah. <laughs> like they're surprised that someone can eat that much. <laughs> Gosh, I, I do so many dietary recalls with people. And that's the thing that I'm always trying to get people to eat more of is oats because, you know, they're like, oh, I get to the end of, the, and these are people like maybe only on like 250, 300 grams of carbs, but they're like, I get to the end of the day and I've got like 50 grams of carbs left. And I'm like, okay, well, how many grams of oats are you eating in the morning? And they're like, oh, 60 grams. And I'm like, dude, bulk that shiz up, man. Like get that easily up to a hundred grams and people can't fathom it. They're Mm. like a hundred grams of oats. And I'm like, that's right. It's not that many more oats. You don't have to cook it crazy volume. I just mix it with some yogurt Milo cereal. Cause you got to remember what is, what is muesli made from muesli. You don't cook muesli. Muesli is made with oats yeah. as the main source of yeah. carbs. Oats are an awesome food because I would argue that like one, people's, some people's oats look like they've been through a drought, right? <laughs> like they, there's, there's no water in sight. Okay. And I would argue when there's no water in sight for oats, they are pretty energy dense in terms of volume. They're yeah. not a massive volume of food, but then on the flip side, right? Like you can like really soak those things up. Like mm. I reckon I've cooked a hundred grams of oats in like 900 milliliters of water before, right? Like obviously after oat soup. it turns into oat soup, but this is the trick, right? Like you got to cook it early, like at least two hours before you're actually going to eat it. Cause then it sits out on the counter and it retrogradates and it really soaks up the rest of the water. Mm. Otherwise, if you take it straight out of the microwave, right? It is going to be yeah, oat and soup. And you'll burn your throat as well. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, if the more water, right? Let it sit for long yeah. to really or, retrogradate. Or even, yeah, just make overnight oats. But yeah, I haven't even started cooking my oats cause I'm, I guess I'm just tactically making nutritional choices as mm-hmm. the weeks go on. Yeah. Like for now, I haven't changed anything nutritionally mm-hmm. and everything is pretty, pretty low volume Yeah. other than my evening meal, which is just veg and meat. So it just gives me a lot of room. Like I'm still having six slices of bread for lunch. Yeah. That's so easy to, to make more voluminous. Yeah, exactly. And the Milo cereal and everything like that. Yeah. So you've still got a lot of tricks up your sleeve, which you need because mm. you still got 23 weeks till yeah. show one. Yeah. Like, um, we're going to be talking about stuff every week and there's still 23 weeks, 23 weeks left. So yeah, but there's always something to say, right? Yeah. And so yeah, overall a very good training week as well, especially like Monday and Friday. So Monday was upper Friday was lower. Mm -hmm. So that was the day after the high day. Yeah. Really happy with how RDLs are feeling. I've changed one thing recently where I've actually widened my grip. So it's, it's not a snatch grip by any means, but it's wider than what I was doing before. And I actually saw something on Instagram about, it was Alberto Nunez and he was saying, yeah, I do something close to a snatch grip because it makes the bar travel closer to my body. And that made a lot of sense when I related that back to why it's feeling better for me. Before when I was doing it, it was like I went through this phase in the mini cut where it just wasn't feeling good. It almost felt like the bar was pulling me over. So mm-hmm. I was going to tip over. 
But now that I'm doing that wider grip, it feels a lot more stable because the bar is more in the midline of my body. And yeah, I'm very close to a PR on that next week uh, with better form. So it'll be 175 for two sets of eight reps. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, and that'll be, that's also, this coming week will also be the final week of my program. So week six. Jack, you are RDLing more than a lot of people deadlift. Like that is, that is freaking awesome. That's, that's great. Like you've really gotten strong in that movement. That is your movement. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is a deadlift. But. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, you know, most people conventional deadlift, a lot of people would be psyched if they could even conventional deadlift 175 for eight reps, mm. you know, and even like your stiff leg, your single leg RDLs, right? Like mm. what you're doing 120 for those? No, 135. <laughs> oh, whoops. Okay. Sorry. 120 for a warm up. 135. Jeez the Please. That's amazing, honestly. Yeah. I think don't underestimate the staggered RDL. It's a great movement. No. And like especially if on your leg day you're doing like for what are you like what are you doing for your primary hammy movement or even your secondary hammy? Like you're just going straight from squats into leg curl. Because if mm-hmm. you are then give the staggered RDL a shot or a lot of people do dumbbell RDLs. But the thing with I found with dumbbell RDLs is once you get to a certain strength it can, um, it's tough to progress due to the stability. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can RDL more than 120 to 140, then you have to get up to like the 60, 70 kilo dumbbells mm-hmm. where it's, it's just a chore to, like, it's cool to be able to, a bit of an ego thing to say, yeah, I can rep out the 70 kilo dumbbells for <laughs> like, but imagine if I was to do, well, I would need like 90 kilo dumbbells or something to, Jeez, to <laughs> assuming that it's the strength is cor- do they even have I don't think they have 90 <laughs> kilogram I don't what they must go up to like 60 kilograms some gyms have like crazy dumbbells just crazy. for the sake of them but, but even it's they're just big and clunky you yeah know? like at least at Mount Gravatt right they're more compact right like I use right now for my RDLs like the 35s right mm. Um, but I'm doing like sets of like 15. So I know I could easily lift more, but anyway, like they're more compact, but you've seen some videos. Like I've seen these videos of AJ Morris doing these dumbbell RDLs, but like the dumbbells are like so long. They look like half the length of a barbell each. And they're just like, boom, boom. And I'm just like, that just looks, it just looks uncomfortable to be in that position. Cause like they're clanging together. They're really long. Yeah, so mm. I totally agree. If you're in that position, better off using a barbell for the same movement pattern. Yeah, it yeah, because it is, mm. it's very similar. But you're, mm. if anything, you might get a few extra benefits from doing it sing single leg. The stagger isn't exactly single leg. You just have like one leg in a typical RDL stance, mm-hmm. and then you kind of just put the other behind you or put it, raise it up on the, on the toes so that you're still using it for support, which is really beneficial. Like I could no way, way just raise one leg off the ground and then do a single <laughs> RDL with that much weight. It wouldn't you see happen. People, you see people doing that on Instagram. Yeah. You know, and they, they use like, a two kilo kettlebell. Yeah, and they're that. like swinging like a pendulum. It's really funky. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, dude, you need to overload that. <laughs> mm. It's kind of like doing a single leg hip thrust versus a staggered, like a beast dance hip thrust. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference there yeah absolutely yeah but i just find because i do rdls twice a week as well i do one barbell and i do dumbbell for the next one but i find with dumbbell what's really good is that i am able to get a better range of motion like i'm actually able to bring those dumbbells down close to my toes i know i probably could do the same with a barbell per se but i would obviously have to do a deficit because just the bumper plates can sometimes limit your range Mm -hmm. but um 
if you get the hang of dumbbell, what I like is that you can kind of twist the dumbbells to the side. Mm, um, almost like a trap bar. Yeah. RDL. Yeah. It's really good. But yeah, guys, man, if you're not doing RDLs and you know that you do have the potential to do them, right? Like they are such a freaking phenomenal exercise. And again, don't beat yourself up if you're not the best at them first. Like just mm. like anything, it takes its sweet time. You taught me how to do RDLs back in 2016 and I'm still getting better, right? Yeah. In terms of just your mind muscle connection, right? Your form, your strength, like like anything good in life, right? It takes time, mm. but as long as you keep chipping away and working at it, pays off my hamstrings and glutes would not look the same if you did not teach me how to rdl like four and a half years ago yeah like i i think i started off at like a hundred so mm -hmm. and like it's taken me probably five years to get to where i am now so it's not like i just picked it up and started doing three plates no so. definitely not you would break your back <laughs> yeah and something i find found that I did go through this big jump, funnily enough, after I hurt my back where I kind of started RDLing um, and when I was quite confident that it wasn't going to hurt me, mm -hmm. I kind of went straight to like 130 or something mm -hmm. quite quickly. And the only thing I can say that helped me a lot was actually barbell hip thrusting because mm. I was hip thrusting twice a week just because that didn't hurt my back. Mm. And then I took out one of those hip thrusts, put in the RDLs and like... I, I pretty much straight away was RDLing more than I before I hurt my back. So that yeah. was quite interesting. Yeah. Brett Contreras would love that you just said that, <laughs> you know, because Brett Contreras, he's obviously he's the glute guy. He's always talking about how barbell hip thrusts, like just having strength in your glutes, it translates into improved strength in so many other movements. Mm. Yeah. And I'm yeah definitely a testament to that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, in my week, nothing major other than we took some skin folds today. Mm -hmm. And overall, a little bit disappointed with the results objectively, but I know why why it happened. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm not, I don't, looking back, I'm not, I don't, not worried too much. Basically, it went down about two mils in two weeks when mm -hmm. on paper that doesn't look too great. But personally, I know that skin fold numbers take a while to kind of take into effect with me. And that happened after my mini cut as well. Like I lost, I gained back a, like a kilo and a half after my mini cut before prep began. And then when we took them, my skin folds had dropped by like six to eight mils, mm -hmm. even though I gained weight. And realistically, I didn't gain muscle. Um, I probably even gained a little bit of fat and some glycogen, of course. So we know that it, it, it's like kind of a lead on effect with skin folds for me. So maybe in, in two or three weeks time when we take them again, those, the, um, the numbers will reflect the yeah. first two weeks. But at the same time, this is why I'm here to look at these numbers with you too, because we have to remember that you're already starting off at a very low sum of seven, right? And the lower you start off, you can't necessarily expect massive drops. You know, some people will take their skin folds and they're like, I dropped 20 mils in two weeks, but it's like, yeah, but you're starting at 150 mils, right? Like you started off prep two weeks ago at 48 mils across seven sites. And then today it was 46 mils, right? And what are you trying to get to for like, by the time you compete, what's pretty much the goal for you? Well, I've last time we didn't take skin folds in this exact way mm -hmm. and we lost the data as well. Oh gosh. <laughs> so I, the honest answer is I don't know, but I think Alan and I both think like below four mils for each site. Mm -hmm. So like, let's just say seven times three to, to be 
more aggressive. Mm-hmm. So like that'll be around 21 mils. Okay, that's perfect. So pretty much, let's say that you're losing on average one mil across all seven sites per week and you've got 23 weeks left. That's gonna have you at uh, around 23 mils across seven sites, Jack. That's pretty friggin' lean, mm. all right? Just saying, that's that's insane, right? That's like lower than gymnast levels lean, according to ISAC. So um, anyway. What are they? gymnasts yeah. you know the dudes who like no i know who they are i mean <laughs> what was their sum of seven pretty sure it's like below 30 okay right? and they're like some of the leanest athletes apart mm. from bodybuilders but i don't think they included bodybuilders in no, there i don't think so yeah. yeah but regardless you know like we have to remember you're starting off at a very low level right so to actually get even lower you can't expect massive drops otherwise you'll be like ronnie coleman <laughs> i was negative body fat <laughs> Oh man. But yeah, we're both on track, you know? Yep. 23 weeks out, we're both doing well. You know, we're we're where we're meant to be 23 weeks out and hell, this is the best starting body composition we've both had at this point out, which is the way it should be. You know, mm. if you're progressing through this sport every single time that you do prep, you should have a better bar- starting body composition. As well, like you said, like because you went through that mini cut prior, right? And dieting prior, even me going through my prep prior last year, like it's always just going to get a little bit easier psychologically because you know exactly what to expect. Totally, yeah. The even like the mini cut was beneficial physio like physically because otherwise I'd have to lose an extra like six kilos, but definitely mentally as well. Mm-hmm. And like the only thing, other thing worth mentioning is like did some more posing this week with Alan and. We kind of got my classic routine together, not the like freestyle routine, but more so what I'm going to do for each pose. Because unlike bodybuilding, like they say side chest, you do side chest. Sure, there's some variations of the side chest, but classic, there's even more freedom in terms of what you hit, especially for like the front, front relaxed or even my side tricep is something you would never pull in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. So kind of got what each of those poses will be, some variations of those poses, some transitions between each of them as well. And now I have something to practice and look back on and continue to refine. So that was really important. Something I was a little bit worried about at the start of prep as well, just like how I was going to, because I am I usually get paralysis by analysis and like I was looking at all these different classic poses, worried about which ones would suit me because like you can't just pick any random classic pose and expect to be able to pull it off like no. Frank Zane or something. <laughs> you got to pick which one is, is best suited to you. Mm-hmm. And like that's where like some people just can't do classic because they might not have the body to suit any of those poses. Yeah, that's what I love about the classic division, right? Is that like certain structures really do suit classic, which I absolutely love. And I certainly think that your structure really suits classic and just your finesse and you are a phenomenal poser, you know? And just, I'm so glad that you're posing with Alan every single week, just like how I'm posing with Steph every single week. And it's a testament as well to get a posing coach that you can frequently pose with so that they have those eyes to tell you, yeah, that looks really good on you. And maybe that one doesn't suit you all that well, <laughs> yeah. right? And I mean, the good thing, I told Alan straight up, like, if, if something doesn't look good, just tell me. And yeah. he was, yeah, a few of them, I was like, oh, can I try this? And he was like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, but that's at the same time though, it might change as we continue yeah. to get leaner, you know, because as you continue to get leaner, right? You actually notice like, oh, maybe I actually could pull that off, you know, because like this muscle actually is showing in that pose sort of thing. So yeah, it's all going to take its sweet time, but you know, week by week, it's just going to keep looking better and better and 
redefining it. When do you think you and Alan will actually start practicing like an actual routine? I'm not sure if I will even do that. I'm not, I'll have to look into which federations you need to do that. For. <laughs> He's got a bit of peer pressure over here to uh, try out IFBB first timers. Just saying, you know. <laughs> Maybe. If someone, Maybe. If someone sponsors me. Can I sponsor you? Uh, I guess that counts, yeah. <laughs> TBD can sponsor me. Yeah, we'll claim it back on tax, you know. Had to enter a bodybuilding show. <laughs> Part of work. But before we sign off, you know, I think we do need to give a very well-deserved shout-out to an incredibly hard worker and one of our good friends, Lawrence Grieve. So Lawrence has just been outstanding these past three weekends in a row. So Lawrence has actually taken out the overall bodybuilding title for three different federations in three back-to-back peak weeks, right? Starting with INBA, ICN, and now today, NBA, which is just freaking sensational yeah amazing job and definitely the best he's looked by a light year very very good like the muscularity between seasons is is incredible so is the conditioning is on point as well and everything is kind of just taken to a new level this year did you use light year as a pun no i i could lose use you light- know that he loves star wars <laughs> I might have. Okay, what is that light year lightsaber? Well, I, I don't know. I, oh. I'm sure Lawrence could get into the technicality oh, of, God. of he, the term. Now he's going to hate us because we don't know anything about Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, I've watched all of them. I can't say the same for you. Okay, but. well, I don't know if it's if you're using a lightsaber or... Is it a lightsaber or a lifesaver? It's a lightsaber. Light... Oh, a saber, not yeah. a saver. Oh, whoops. Oh, man, <laughs> And it's not like Buzz Lightning from uh, Toy Story. It's Buzz Lightyear. Oh gosh, I have just ruined this. (laughs) But regardless, massive congratulations, Lawrence. You are freaking awesome, right? And uh, you know, this is his third time competing as well. He's, I think the first time he ever competed, he was 17, Mm. right? So man, and then he took- He's done more shows than us. Oh yeah, dude, he's he's experienced. But boy, climbing that ladder at such a young age to have a physique like he does, you know, he's gonna obviously go very far, but Seriously, just a testament to his hard work and obviously prepping through the unknown. You know, he's been prepping ever since, you know, very like early beginning this year when COVID hit and there was the whole unknown of is our season season B shows even going to go ahead. So he stuck in there and freaking good for him. You know, Mm -hmm. best bodybuilder on stage, first place, three week weekends in a row, you know, three federations as well. Yeah, man, I'm excited for him to get back into some um, proper training for this next month before one final show. Yeah. Epic. Congratulations, Lawrence. Seriously, you are awesome. (laughs) If I could, I would give you the best lightsaber (laughs) in the world. What color would it be? Again, that's a technical question for him to answer. It'll be a rainbow. You can have every color. (laughs) That might not be good, though. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Correct us, man. But anyway, Jack, one thing that you want to improve this week. Cool. So I, nice and simple for me, I want to get two sets of eight reps at 147.5 on my squats because they've probably been the hardest lift of, of this past week. Actually, seated OHP was also hard, but like we all know there's a difference between like a bench press and a squat in mm-hmm. terms of difficulty. Like I can go to failure without big deal on on an ohp but going to failure on a squat is a different story yeah and yeah I does wanna... different shiz to the spinal cord you know what yeah, i mean <laughs> very different and i want to get two by eight without yeah going to failure good for you yeah what about you 
This week, I want to improve my digestion because yesterday, ta-da, was quite celebratory. I took my last iron pill yesterday, which has just been flipping with my uh, flipping with my intestines. So yeah, had a whole month, right, of those iron supplements. And yeah, finally, I'm off them. So I'm really hoping that this week, digestion can just get back to normal. I can have a lot more predictable weigh-ins, right? Because even though this week, right, I hit a brand new low of 65.6, right? Like the day before it was like 66.8. So like it's been fluctuating all over the place. Yeah. So this week, yeah, off iron supplements, still on the kangaroo. And then I'm going to be booking in a blood test to see my ferritin levels. So should be good, man. Awesome. Epic. Well, thank you for listening, guys. Again, if you enjoyed it, please repost it onto your Instagram story. Tag myself, tag Tierra, tag TBD. Again, if you're feeling kind towards our podcast, you can leave a review on iTunes. Even just leaving a five stars would be great. You don't have to even write anything. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye, guys.